0: Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist TJ Malcanji. Today I entitled the broadcast, The Power of Prayer, or Prayer That Changes Things. And uh, I'm gonna, I want to start off by reading um,
1: Matthew chapter 3. Sorry, Luke chapter 9. Let's start with Luke chapter 9. No, no, no. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3.
0: Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Thanks for joining me today. If you're just joining now, I'd encourage you to share the broadcast so we can get it out to as many people as possible. When all the people... Luke 3, 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And as he prayed... Now get this. As he prayed the heaven was open and the holy spirit came down on him in the form of a dove and a voice came from heaven saying you are my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased while he prayed the heavens were open and the holy spirit came down i entitled today's broadcast prayer that changes things because ultimately that's exactly what prayer is designed to do prayer is not your daily diary with God where we just, you know, tell Him how we feel today and, you know, how you wish things could have gone differently and, but ultimately everything's left into your hands. No, you can actually persuade God to
1: do things in your favor through the art of prayer. Philippians 1. Philippians 1. Philippians 1 19 this is Paul speaking for I know
0: so he's in prison now and he says this I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing will I be ashamed but with all boldness as always so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death. He said in Philippians 1.19, I know, though I'm in prison, though I'm in real chains, they weren't fictional chains, real chains that Paul was experiencing in a dungeon somewhere. He said, I know that no matter how dark things may seem right now, that this shall
1: turn out, hey, Nicola, this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayer.'" Not through
0: our wishes, you know, that's what happens when tragedy hits a nation or tragedy hits somewhere. You, you'll always hear, uh, you know, our, thought, our thoughts go out to the victims or, you know, our best, you know, whenever someone gets married or something happens or a child is born, our best wishes towards you. Or some people, when they wish people a happy birthday, really what they're saying is, I wish this year will be the best year you ever had. And, and they're wishing, but wishing doesn't make things happen. You don't wish for things to happen. That's something I said on our last broadcast. I said, you know, a lot of people say success is a matter of luck. But if you'll ask any failure, or you could say if you'll ask any wisher, you'll find out that success is not a matter of luck. You're not wishing for things to turn around. You don't hope for things to turn around. Hope is actually, another word for hope would be like expectation. So when I say I'm hoping for something, it, it really, what it means is, I, this is what I'm seeing in my spirit. This is the end result of what I want to obtain. But just seeing something, if I go on a map and I see, you know, New Hampshire, I can hope to get there. But if I don't take what is rec- the re- necessary steps to get to New Hampshire, then I'll never get there. That's why hope is, exp- is, is very important. Because you have to hope for something if you're going to get there. You have to see something before you can get there. So no matter what you're experiencing today, hope is extremely powerful. If if your marriage is in shams right now, you can hope for a turnaround. What you're seeing is, I'm seeing a a blissful marriage. I'm seeing a hitch-free marriage. You know, Bishop David Oyedepo, before he got married, he was in a a counseling, pre-counseling at his church or something. I don't know what it was, but it was a pre-counseling session. And the guy that ran the, the program asked Bishop Oyedepo, he said, uh, what, what do you expect, or what are you hoping for in this marriage? Bishop Oedepo replied, and he said, well, from the scriptures, I'm expecting and I'm hoping for a hitch-free marriage, and that's exactly what we'll have. And the man said to him, well, you know, they were courting, they had been courting for four years, they were dating four years, and then uh, he said, you know, it's easy not to step on people's toes when you, li- when you don't live in the same house. But what you'll find out when you live together, you'll step on each other's toes a lot more. So you can't really expect a hitch-free marriage. There'll be hitches. There'll be ditches. There'll be problems to overcome. Bishop Oyedepo, without skipping a a beat, he said, sir, you and I are in the same house right now. And we're sitting on the same couch. And I'm not stepping on your toes. Neither are you stepping on my toes. He says, do you want to know why why we're not stepping on each other's toes? He said, number one, because I'm not blind. And number two, I'm not wicked. And for those very same reasons, we'll have a hitch-free marriage. What was he saying? He was saying that I'm not basing my hope and my expectation on cheap wishing and wishful thinking. He said, as long as my, he said, I'm not blind and I'm not wicked. As long as I'm not blind to see Jesus and to keep my eyes and my gaze focused on Christ and make him the the paramount of our marriage, the central focus, the epicenter of everything that we do in our choices, in our decision-making process. And as long as I keep my heart pure and not get wicked and stay holy and have my hands clean and keep in the anointing, that's not my guarantee. It's God's guarantee from the scripture that we'll have a itch-free marriage. What, do I, what am I getting at? I'm saying what you what you hope for, what you expect will paint a picture, but it takes the necessary steps to get there if you want what you hope for to become reality in your life. That's why I'm t- I've titled today's broadcast that there's a prayer, there's a way to pray where things change. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 12. There's a way to pray, not a way to wish, not a way to hope for, but what you hope for to actually enforce your expectation through prayer. That's what Hebrews 11.1 is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And faith that isn't vocalized, meaning if you don't have faith enough to pray for the thing you want done in your life, you don't have faith at all, and God can't actually substantialize anything in your life that isn't faith-based. Your hope will never take substance. It'll always be a far-reaching dream. Something in the future. Something that, you, that you'll never materialize and hold in your hand. Nothing substantial if it's just hope. But faith, in enforcing it in prayer from the word of God, is what substantializes the thing you're, you're hoping for. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Hey, Beatrice. Hey, Jen. And verse 1. Prayer that changes things. Not prayer, we're going to get to prayer that changes you. But I want to focus first and foremost, prayer, on prayer that changes things. Prayer that will change. Not, you know, it'll give me peace in the storm. I'm talking about where the God, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God of War, the Bible, the Bible says he's the wonderful counselor. You know what that says? That says he's full of wonders. The God who can release wonders your way, where you have to pinch yourself to see, am I dreaming, or is this really true? God can do a real work in your life today, a true work, where there's actually a turnaround for you today. Not he's giving, well, you know, it's been rough, but now I'm a little more joyful, and you know, I've learned to forget. No, God, can, God doesn't want you to forget your misery God wants to take the misery and turn it around for your good God you know that's what Joseph Joseph went through a a lifetime of ups and downs but then what happened when he gave birth to his first child Ephraim what does Ephraim mean
1: God has made me to forget my affliction God doesn't want you to just you know why did God make him to forget his affliction because he turned
0: everything around God doesn't want you to just forget your affliction, but it's still there, but we buried it under the couch, but we can still smell the, you know, it's like taking a dead animal and just burning it under a couch. It's, it's out of sight, out of mind, but it's not really out of mind because you still smell it and it smells terrible. It's a dead animal. After a couple of days, it, it, it'll it stink up the whole house. First of all, if you have buried, if you've buried dead animals in your house, you have, you have another problem that we'll pray for you after. But You know, God doesn't want you to just forget your... He wants to turn things around for your good. We're going to see that here. Acts chapter 12. Now about that time, Herod began to stretch out his hand to harass some from the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Hey, Caitlin, good morning. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded furthermore to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him out before the people after the Passover. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but get
1: this, constant prayer was offered up to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to
0: bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards between the doors keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side, raised him up and said, arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. And he went out following him and did not know that what was being done by the angel was real but thought he was, he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of their own accord. And they went in and went down on the street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Hmm. Then Peter had come to himself and said, and said this, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of all the Jewish people. So it was, skip down to verse 13. We can, so now he gets to the house of where they were praying for Peter. Cuz verse 5 says constant prayer was offered up to God on behalf of the church. So Peter locates, you know, well I know I know this lady Mary. She's always having a prayer meeting. If I got out of this, it was because there was a prayer meeting going on for my soul, for my for my physical deliverance. And when she reck- so, so so he gets to the door. He knocks at the door of the gate And a girl named Rhoda comes to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're crazy, or you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's probably just his angel, meaning he's already dead. If if you're seeing Peter, it's his ghost. There is no way he was coming out of that prison. Now Peter continued knocking. Could you imagine? <laughs> he just escaped prison. There's probably, he's a fugitive now. So there's probably guards looking for him in the street and he's out at the door knocking and she, he sees someone saw him. She, he sees her excitement and instead of opening the door, she goes in overjoyed telling them while he's still knocking and like you could just imagine like pitchforks and flames and they're just like about to turn the corner and he keeps knocking and, and it, you know, it, it started to get pretty dramatic. And finally, she comes and opens the door, and he motions them to keep silent, and they, they, they were astonished. This is a story where it starts off in, in Acts 12, 1-5, where Herod, who was a king, decided to take James, who was a disciple of Christ, and killed him. Now, I want you to notice, there was no part in the scripture, there's no, uh, there's no record of the church ever praying for James. But then, when the church finally woke up and said, you know what, they killed James, if we don't finally start praying for Peter, if we don't, if we don't tackle this on with prayer, it, it won't be long before they start coming for our heads. And so they started praying fervently, day and night, for Peter's release. And the Bible says that suddenly, because of their prayers, remember in Daniel chapter 11, I think it's 11 or it might be chapter 10. When Daniel started praying that there was an angelic release from heaven where an angel came to see Daniel and said, from the very first day that you opened up your prayer, I was sent in response to your prayer. You know, prayer actually yields a response from heaven. Prayer will actually get heaven's response. Heaven's attention comes to those who's pray, who, who pray. Heaven's intervention. God will only intervene on behalf of those that are given to prayer. That's why I read in Philippians 1. He said, I know. I'm in, you know, another guy that was in prison. Paul in prison. But I know that despite these shackles and chains, this will turn out for my deliverance. Through your prayers and according to my earnest expectation. That's another thing. You can't just pray and expect nothing to change. He wasn't just praying and, and, you know, after he got out of prayer, he started saying, you know, I prayed about it, but who knows? Things can go either way. No, according to prayer and according to my earnest expectation that God will not leave me ashamed. You know that God, this is a, a great mystery that if you will understand this, it's not actually a great, it's not actually that mysterious, but to some people, it's a mystery. If you'll understand that God actually doesn't want to make you an object of shame and reproach on the earth, that he actually wants to see you blessed, do you understand that God actually wants to see you rise to the top? God's not some wicked taskmaster. God's not some twisted man. He's not some, you know, employer that you might have had in the past where he just made your life a living hell, that going into work every day was just like, I hope he's not I hope he's not the manager schedule for today. God's not like that. God actually is a good God. Or Robert said, if you'll just understand this, you'll have an easier time reading the Bible. That God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. That if there's anything bad happening to you today, if there's any affliction, if there's any oppression, if there's anything holding you down, if there's anything that's been like chains and shackles, keeping you from accelerating, keeping you from moving forward, that God is not the author of your problems, God's the author of your solution. But if the devil can keep you blinded to that fact, he can keep you down. He can keep you downtrodden. He can keep you downcast. He can keep you oppressed, afflicted, and harassed. But I know today as you're listening to the sound of my voice, something's rising up on the inside of you. The gift of faith is coming on you where you finally identify the storm that's been coming against me hasn't been heaven assigned. It's been hell assigned. But anything hell assigned and hell hardwired is hardwired to faith. And that thing, like Paul said, I know it shall turn out for my deliverance because I'm not expecting the devil's plan to work and flourish in my life. I'm expecting God's plan, plans for good, plans for a future, plans for
1: a hope to begin to flourish from today onward. Hallelujah. Hey, Vicky. P- prayer was constantly made on behalf of Peter. And what happened? Did he have his
0: head chopped off? Did he get beheaded? No. The Bible says God sent intervention. God will intervene on your behalf today, not tomorrow. I quote it often, but it's something worthy to be quoted almost every time I preach probably.
1: Don't put off something to tomorrow that God is willing and able to do today. Don't put off your miracle for tomorrow when God is willing and able to do it today. It's religion and the
0: devil that tells you that your breakthrough is some futuristic thing. It's religion and the devil that tries to get you to to reassign your your miracle for a future date. But God said in Proverbs 3.26, Never withhold good from from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so don't tell your neighbor go to go back home and tomorrow come back and i'll give it to you when you have the power to do it for them today do you think god's a hypocrite do you think god's a bipolar you know he said something in proverbs but really today he you know i I can't believe i said that wow man now people are going to expect me to give thing give them things the day they asked for it man goodness gracious what was i thinking must have not had my coffee that day maybe i woke up on the bad side of the bed but that's not, that's not the God we serve. When he speaks a thing, he's not a hypocrite. The Bible says, the Lord, as I have thought, so shall I, so shall I do it. And as I have purposed it, so shall it come to pass. God's not a hypocrite. God's not a liar. God is not a man that he should change his mind either. He's Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday when he wrote Proverbs, today and tomorrow he'll be the same. That if he said, I won't withhold good from those to whom it is due. And the Bible says that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That means if you're upright, how do you get upright? You're you're in relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That's what uprightness is. When you walk holy after his plan, when you walk holy in righteousness, and don't keep yourself, I mean, don't 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 give yourself over to this world and keep yourself pure and holy. That's how you're upright, that's what uprightness means. It just means righteous. You've been born again. Well, that means you're entitled to no good thing being withheld from you. God's not trying to withhold things from you. The devil's getting you to think that. God's trying to get the blessing to you faster than you can even receive it. God wants to see you blessed. God wants to see you healthy. God wants to see you uh uh uh, prospering. The Bible says in 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I pray that above everything, above everything, meaning my number one concern, God said, is that you might prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. That means the blessing of God, reaching your spirit, reaching your soul, and reaching your body. How does it reach your spirit? When Jesus Christ ties himself in. How does it reach your soul? When the Prince of Peace takes away. Your soul has to do with your mind. Mental anguish, torment, harassment of your mind, depression, anxiety, OCD, generalized anxiety, bipolar disorder, always worrying, always doubting, always fretting. That's that's an oppression of the soul. An oppression of the mind, but he said that I want to see your soul prospering. Then it says that you might be in good health. That's your body. God wants to see you strong. God wants to see you vital. He doesn't want to see you dragging your feet every day. He doesn't want to see you look at your alarm clock in the morning and want to throw it across the room. He doesn't want to see you, you know, just, just, just constantly weak and afflicted, never being able to run, always limping everywhere you go. God wants to see you run. He said that you might run and not grow weary. Weariness is not God's original plan for us. God wants strength. He said, let the weak say I'm strong. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. What does that tell me? God wants me to be as strong as Jesus was when He walked the earth. He wants me to be as vital as Jesus was as He walked the earth. Well, how strong was Jesus? The Bible says after many days, nobody he had eaten and and the disciples went away to buy food for Jesus and they came back to him and saw him re-energized, refueled and they said man did he have anything to eat How is he so strong today? And he said, I have food to eat of, which you don't know. I have meat to eat of, which you haven't heard of. What's that meat? It's the everlasting, eternal power of God's word. As you ingest this on a daily basis, it infuses into you supernatural strength to run and not grow weary, to be strong in the Lord, to say, let the weak say, I am strong. I see that strength coming on you today in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Peter gets delivered. And what does he say? The Bible says he thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming. You know, God can do that for you today. You wake up tomorrow. And you have to, you have to really like remember. Is this true? It's like when I, when I wake up every morning. And I put my hand on my, my wife's uh, belly. With, 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 her, with my child in her belly. And I have to remind myself, man, this is real. I have a baby coming. And I, joy just overflows and exudes from me from that moment. I'm just happy. Nothing can ruin my day from that day forth. Because I have a, a precious little boy on his way. A couple of weeks now, two, three weeks at most. And, and that makes me happy. You know, that's what Peter almost experienced. He, he was out, free, no more chain. And he had, to, he had to pinch himself. Man, this is real. This wasn't a vision. This wasn't a dream. This wasn't just something my mind conceived. You know, it begins in the mind. What you can't conceive, your hand can't receive. But after you've conceived it, it's not just meant to stay in, your, in the conception phase that God can actually bring it to pass. So I 1 Corinthians 2:9, "What I hasn't seen, God will't make you just to see." What ear hasn't heard, God won't just make you to hear it. What hasn't entered into your heart, God won't just put it in your heart and not bring it to pass. He said all of those things, what I hasn't seen, what ear hasn't heard, what has never entered the heart of man, God will actually make a reality in the lives of those that love him, are faithful to his cause, and are and are holy, and pray it and enforce it through prayer. You have to you can't look if the church had just Looked at James's situation. Well, what, you know, Jesus said that we'd experience persecution and there's no way out. Oh, Peter got arrested too. Man, this must be the end times. You know, I think Paul said that difficult times will come in the end times. This is what he must be. This is what he must be talking about. And, he had, and they had just, you know, gained some nonchalant, casual, weak, effeminate attitude towards, towards the, the, the tragedy that was happening. Whatever you don't confront, you'll never be empowered to conquer. Whatever prayer you don't pray and just remains in the conception phase, well, wouldn't that be nice? Saying wouldn't it be nice if things turned around is not prayer. You know how many people do that? Oh, we prayed for you. Really? How did you pray? Oh, you know, we thought about it. That's not prayer. Prayer is not thinking about it. Prayer is locating in God's word the promise that backs up what you want to see enforced in your life and then asking it. Luke eleven. You have not. Uh, Luke seven eleven. You, uh, if you'll ask, you'll receive. If you'll seek, you'll find. And if you'll knock, the door will be open. What does that tell me? If you don't ask, you won't receive. If you don't seek, the door, uh, uh, nothing will be found. And if you don't knock, the door won't be open. It takes me asking. Don't just let the devil's problems in your life continue. To have like a snowball effect where they start out small, they start out small, but because you left it unchecked, it grows larger and larger, bigger and bigger, to the point where it's a massive avalanche of snow hitting you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's when you really have to believe God. Why don't you exercise your faith right away? Why don't you activate your faith right away? Why don't you deal with the problem at hand right away? So you don't have to deal. You know, the easiest time to rip out. A weed is when you first spot it. If you let it on, you leave it unchecked a couple of you know months and even years, that weed will will be so large and deep-rooted, it'll take it'll, you'll you'll probably need professional assistance. That's what you see. You see people in the church that don't they don't pray, they don't pray, and they don't, you know, they, they just leave things to chance and time. Well, time heals all. Time doesn't heal squat. I know people who were in a problem 17 years ago in their same problem today. It's been 17 years and they're still saying time heals all. Time doesn't heal all. People get that tattooed on their arms. It's a like, time heals all. Is time God? Last I checked, God's the only one that can heal all. People say that. They're actually, they're, they're, they're making God, uh, time their God. They're idolizing time as a God. As, as, as if time's the one, you know. Time actually submits to God. He's the eternal one. He's not even confined to time. There's something way better than time healing all. It's God. And He not only heals all. The Bible says He has an outstretched arm that's willing to heal all. Not only He has the ability, He wants to do it for you. And He wants to do it for you today. But don't leave things to time and chance. Pray about it. Get it done in prayer. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means you... You, you, there's certain things you can actually, you know, organize in your life to have a turnaround in you. You, you have to actually pray about it because there's demons and principalities at work behind that thing. You know, an alcoholic husband, that's not something you can like go to some uh, <clears throat> self-help conference and experience a, a, a turn of events. It's not going to do anything. Self-help can't help. Uh, self-help is just another time heals all time is the idol. Self-help is self is the idol. We, I, can do my, I can do it myself. You can't do it yourself. You can't do it yourself. You know, that's exactly the reason why people don't pray in the first place. Well, oh, let me just try it. Don't try it. Let God try it. God doesn't fail. You'll fail. God doesn't. Well, we'll just see how this works out. I'll, you know, I'll try and work things out. And if it doesn't, then, you know, there's always God. Why don't you make God your plan A? That way you wouldn't have to ever fret, ever fret or worry about trying to organize a last-minute plan B. That's what the Bible says. David said the help of man is useless. I don't mean, David was very, that was something that marked David out as a man after God's heart. He was very quick to acknowledge God as the source of every
1: good thing in his life. He said, you know, in in, encountering, contacting Goliath, Saul tried to dissuade him. Don't
0: go, he's been a warrior from youth. You're like a, you're like, you're just a youth, ruddy in appearance. There's no way you're going to win this battle. What did he do? No. God who helped me. Not, not, I, you know, I tackled, you know, you should have seen me tackle a bear. You should have seen me tackle a lion. You know, this, this will be the same. No, he said, God who helped me. Tackle a bear. God who helped me. Tackle a, a lion. And take the sheep out of its mouth and rescue the, the sheep and kill the lion. That same God is going to help me With this uncircumcised Philistine, he'll be no different than the other. If I can take on a 10-foot grizzly, this 9-foot-6 human is is no match for me. He was quick to make God his plan plan A. He was quick to make God his plan A. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Nebuchadnezzar comes up to them. We're going to throw you in fire if you don't bow to this idol. No, let me tell you my plan A. And this is the plan I'm sticking with. Our God whom we serve, he's able to deliver us. Even if he doesn't, we'll never bow. And, uh, and that's, that's the end of the story. They made him his, their plan A and their only plan. Esther, in approaching the king in, in her day. If she had approached the king without having a, a scheduled appointment, it was based on the king. If he showed favor towards her, he would have, uh, swayed, he would have like waved his, his, his stick at her, or whatever you call it, like a staff. And she would have been able to approach him. But if he was in an angry mood, mood and a bad mood, and he didn't, you know, you came in unannounced, he had every right to say, cut her head off. So what did Esther say? Esther knew that if she approached the king, there was a 50-50 chance that she'd get, have her head, her head cut off. But she said, if I perish, I perish. Meaning plans, God's my plan A, God's my plan B, God's my plan C. If God can't get it done, well then we're screwed anyways. Might as well go with David made a, David Oyedepo made a a resolution many years ago. If God can't take me there, may I never go. If God can't do it, let it remain undone. And if God can't bring it to pass, may it never be brought to pass. Can you say amen? He's my plan A. He's my plan B. You should write that in the comments. God is my, God is my only plan. God is my only plan. God's plan is my only plan. Write that. God's plan is my only plan. I want you to turn very quickly to Isaiah
1: 38. Prayer that changes things. Prayer that changes things. Isaiah 38 verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah was
0: sick. He was near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you will die and you won't live hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the lord so what did he do did he hear the news and say well i guess i should set my house in order remember this was god's word it was a prophet coming to him saying he, he like had a word imagine someone calls you out in church says set your house in order and uh, you're about to die that was a, a word from the lord that wasn't just isaiah wishing he was dead that was a word from the lord what did hezekiah do Well, if God said it, I mean, there's nothing. No, prayer can actually persuade God to do things for you. You're not manipulating God. You know, John Wesley said, there seems to be something about God that he won't do anything on the earth unless a man prays about it. There's something about God that he won't do anything on the earth until one prays about it. Well, he was just indirectly quoting James chapter 4, verse 3. That if you, ha- you have not, because you don't ask. You have not, because you ask not. If he had just heard that and said, well, I guess this is it. Let's tr- let's organize things. You know, Why don't we get the scribe to come? I need to write up my will and announce my departure. Let's set up a new king. What did he do? Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall. You know what that means? He had to turn his w- face away from the problem at hand, away from his sickness, and he had to turn his face to God you got to turn your gaze. The Bible doesn't say that we're to fix our eyes on our problems. The Bible doesn't say we're to focus on our problems. The Bible says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because he's the author of our faith. And he's not only the author, he's the one that brings it to pass. That's what Paul said in Philippians 1. He said that my God who began a good work in you, he's not just someone who begins works and then, you know, gets gets sidetracked and distracted and doesn't really finish what he started. No, God who began the work, he's the one that's going to fulfill it. If God's done anything in your life, he's not done it to, you know, just, you know, put something in your face to try and get your hope up get your hopes up and try and dangle something in your face like I do to my dog when I try to get him inside from the house and he doesn't want to come in and I get out some like bully stick or something and I start dangling in his face so he can come back and then finally when he comes back I put it back in the same closet and he looks so depressed and angry at me and you know I have to carry a knife around the house in case he makes a move. But that's not what God is like. God, he doesn't dangle things in your face to try and get you to you know, put your, get your hopes up. When God puts something in your way, when God shows, when he starts doing something in your life, he that began a good work, he's the one that'll complete it. When David mouthed off and said, man, the God who delivered me from the power of the bear and the God who delivered me from the power of the lion, he's the same God that'll deliver me from, from this uncircumcised Philistine. And he went out to fight Goliath and Goliath jammed the spear up his chest and impaled him and set him on the, the mountain. And all Israel saw it, the downfall of David that day, and they changed their anthem from Saul has killed his thousands and David has been killed. No, the Bible says that after he, after he said that, he began to run. He put it, he, he set his face on the promise of, at hand. He didn't just speak the promise that God would give Goliath into his hand. He set his face and his gaze towards the promise at hand. And he took that sling, knocked him out, took his sword out, cut off his head, and the next day they changed the anthem of Israel. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens thousands. I'm telling you today, whatever you've been facing, whatever's come against you, whatever roadblock the enemy has placed in your view that and he's trying to keep your eyes fixed on that thing if you'll just shake yourself free from that oppression today and look to the one the one who holds all power the one whom the Bible says by his outstretched hand he has created the heavens and the earth if God can create the heavens and the earth in six days without sweating don't you think he can turn your life around in one minute without breaking a sweat my God doesn't sweat he doesn't worry if you'll stop worrying, you'll enter in to his presence where there's no room for worry, but there's pleasures forevermore, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And my God, he'll begin to do for you what no man can do for you. With man, it looks impossible, but with God, nothing's impossible. He'll do for you the impossible today. Could you imagine Mary? You're going to bear forth a son and call his name Jesus. What? I've never even had sex. How can I bring forth a son? I've never had a time to conceive. No. The power of the Lord will come on you. The Most High God will overshadow you. And that which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of the Most High God. Now go out and do it. And he and she said, the man servant of the Lord, may it be to me as, as according to your word. May it be done unto me. And that's what happened. That's what, if God can make a a womb, a woman who's never had intercourse with a man, and a womb to conceive.
1: You know, and Enoch Adaboye tells a story of a woman who had no womb. You know, Mary had a womb. This lady had no womb. She had had it
0: removed because of uh, a, a surgery years ago. And she wanted, her and her husband wanted a child. And she, they went to a service, and uh, Enoch Adaboye said, whatever you're believing God for, I want you to shout it out. And so the the lady wanted a a little girl and the husband wanted a little boy. So they both in in unison shouted out, a girl, a a baby boy. Nine months later, they had a set of twins, a boy and a baby girl. Why? Because they didn't just hear that God can do the impossible. They really believed it. They put their faith on it. They began to pray it and enforce his will. What's his will? Thou shalt not be barren. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. And the Bible says you can have what you said. They took those two verses. I want a baby boy. I want a baby girl. Enforced the will through prayer. And that's exactly
1: what they had. A baby boy and a baby girl. What happened here? Hezekiah says, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I've walked
0: before you in truth with a loyal heart. Have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go back. Hallelujah. God can turn back. If he can turn back time, in Joshua, when he said, Sun stands still and time froze, God has power over time. If God can turn back time, he can restore what the locusts have eaten. It it might be bad, which you know, you might have lost a lot of things, but God, he's a restorer of all things. He can restore what the locusts have eaten, the swarming locusts, the chewing locusts, whatever the devil. He can rebuke the devourer off your life.
1: Where it seems like you've been, it's just struggle every single day. It's just an uphill battle. God can turn it around. He can put a wind behind your back where it'll be hard not to run. You'll have to like slow down.
0: He can restore all things. I mean, look at that man in the synagogue with a withered hand.
1: Jesus sees him there, calls him out, stretch forth your hand. He did it, and his hand was restored. Probably had a, I
0: mean, if you've ever seen a withered hand, I've seen it. It's just shriveled up. There's no fingers. there's, There's
1: wrinkled skin. Stretch forth your hand. Just deformed bones. As he did it, boom. What is that? signify the stretching forth is pray for it, pray about it, act on the word of God, and as you do, just as God restored that man's hand
0: to as whole as the other, the Bible says, it wasn't like, a yeah, you know, one finger grew back, but it still looked pretty weird, (laughs) he still had to cover it in public, children looked at it, every time he walked in the marketplace, everybody was, you know, oh,
1: there it is, no, the Bible says, as he did it, it was fully restored, as whole as the other. You, I, I feel like there's someone watching
0: today. There was a part in, there was a, a, an area in your life, a time in your life where you served God hard, and things were nice, man, blissful. Your family had 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 unity. Your family, it was it was joyful to come home at night, spend time with your kids. Everybody was happy. It was a merry time. No alcohol needed, no nothing. But you've drifted away. And you've gone far up. And now, it, it you need alcohol to, to have any type of smile on your face. Everything just, it, it doesn't look good. Seems like there's demonic presence in the home. Seems like everything's backwards. And you've been wishing, man, I really screwed up. Time you It used to be good back in the day. But, I, you know, I've gone far away. There's no way God would ever bring me back to that, you know. I, I screwed up, so there's some discipline that needs to be had, and you're actually avoiding it, because you don't want to go through this fictional disciplinary process that you think God's going to take you through, but in reality, God's not looking... He, God, you know, that prodigal father, when, that prodigal son, when he came home, the father was there with wide open arms. God's not looking to slap you up, because, you know, look at you, you, you left home, you want to come back? You better, you better take those pants off, get the belt, and I'm going to whip you silly. That's not the way God wants to deal with you. God, like that father, he had his arms wide open. He said, go and take the fatted calf, get the golden ring, get the fanciest of robes. This my son was dead, but now he's alive. God's actually waiting for you to start praying again. You've neglected the prayer closet for long enough, and you feel the, the, the negative consequences of neglecting prayer. Because you thought you can handle it by yourself. I'm here to tell you God's calling you back. That as bad as it's turned, God can turn it around today for you. As bad as this tsunami of unfortunate events that has been drowning
1: you up, God can turn that tsunami in your favor today. In the name of Jesus. So what happened to Hezekiah. He prayed. And, and Isaiah turned back and said, forget what I said. You'll live another 15 years.
0: You'll live another 15 years. In one moment's time. Isaiah probably wasn't even out of the temple. Or out of the king's palace in the king's courts before. Because Hezekiah didn't waste time. He didn't say, well, I'll wait. If the condition worsens, then I'll get to work in prayer.
1: No, he didn't waste time. He prayed immediately about it. He got to work. Prayer is hard work. And it's not for the lazy. But the
0: Bible says the lazy man his his house will be covered with thorns and thistles.
1: But the the way of the upright will be a highway. If you put off prayer, you'll prolong problems. If you put off prayer, you'll prolong your problem. You actually set the time for your deliverance, not God. You can suffer a little while You can suffer a long time. You can suffer prolonged times. You can suffer a couple of days. Or you can deal with that thing today. Enough. Enough is enough. I'm not created for shame
0: and reproach. I'm not going to accept not even one hour of this bull poop. I'm not going to accept one hour of misery. I'm not going to accept one hour of suffering. What hell has to offer? Enough is enough. I'm taking charge today through prayer. And like God, like Jesus prayed, you got to pray, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that tells you? God's will will never be done on
1: earth as it is in heaven until prayer is made. You have to pray. Prayer is enforcing God's will on the earth. And
0: until you enforce his will, nature abhors vacuum. If you don't enforce God's will, the devil's will will take root in your life and will prevail. But if you'll enforce God's will on a daily basis by making disciplined prayer a daily thing, you actually will enter into a realm of all around rest.
1: You'll come to a point where you don't have much to pray about anymore. You'll spend your time just praising God and thanking God. Hallelujah. You're here today, and you you might be sick in your body. You might have a
0: disease that's just ravaged your body, depleted your strength, and you're looking for a way out. Do what Hezekiah did. Don't stand that thing. Hezekiah said, I'm going to die. This sickness is unto death. No, that's not my portion as a child of God no that's not my portion as a blessed child of Abraham I've put my faith in in Christ Jesus I'm a child of God I've been blessed with believing Abraham Abraham didn't get taken out before his time Abraham was old and well stricken in age and God had blessed him in every way God had told Abraham in Genesis 13 he said I will bless you and the Bible says you'll depart and be with your fathers at a good old age you'll not be sick I, 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 I fall under that blessing the Bible says in Galatians 4, we are blessed with believing Abraham. And I'm, I'm an heir of all things that Abraham was, was an heir of. I'm, I'm not going to be short shortchanged. I'm going to receive everything that the blood of Jesus purchased and bought for me. I refuse to stay sick another day in my life. He said if I'll serve him, he'll bless my bread and my water. He'll take sickness out of my midst. Sickness is supposed to be out of my midst, not in my midst. Sickness can't be in my home. It can't stay here. This is just like if if I were to go to space without a, an astronaut suit, I'd i die. I'd blow up, man. It wouldn't work well. I'd be caught up, and and, and and I think you freeze. That's what happens. Well, the same thing. This is a this is a, a, a an airspace. That demons can't inhabit. There's no cohabitation with hell as a child of God. What fellowship has light with darkness? What fellowship, what communion has the devil with Christ? Well, there's none whatsoever. Light dries out darkness every time, and that light lives in me. He said, I'm the light of this world. He said that it's no longer I that live, but Christ now lives in me. And there's no fellowship between the devil and Christ. There's no fellowship between sickness and health. There's no fellowship between poverty and prosperity. And God said, I have pleasure in the prosperity of my servants. God can turn things around for you today. It takes you taking charge by the enforcing of God's will in prayer before things can turn around. Don't stay silent. Open up your mouth and be satisfied with the good God has prepared for you. You've dwelt along this mountain long enough today. Come into the promised land. Come take a seat at the table of God. Come eat. Come dine. Come Eat in the presence of your enemies. God has a table set with his choices of blessings reserved for you today. Don't stay eating the crumbs that fall from the master's table. No, I invite you today. What Jesus' authority found in the word of God, come and dine, come and eat. All things are ready. There's no day better to be healed, be restored, receive your miracle than today. Don't put off to tomorrow what God is willing and able to do for you today. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you right now. I command that sickness out of your body in Jesus name. I agree. You know, the Bible says that if two of you will agree concerning anything that they might ask, it shall be done for them by my father in heaven. We're here today. I'm going to agree with you today in prayer. If it's sickness, that sickness rots in Jesus name. It burns off your body. It It gets cut off. That bird of sickness loses its wings and it falls flat today in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. If it's family members that aren't saved and you're believing for restoration in your family, I pray the same God that... Are, that that healed and restored the withered hand will restore your withered family in Jesus' name. Lost relationships, people you haven't talked to—your father, your mother, your son—maybe you've you've distanced from each other. Time gone, time has gone by. You thought time would heal all, but you found out today time doesn't heal all, and you're you're now at wit's end. You've hit a roadblock. You've hit a, a fork in the road, and you have to decide today: I'm either going to keep on the path of time heals all, or I'm going to go on the path of God doing it for me today. As you've joined that path, that new path today, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that just like Jesus didn't stay dead for for more than three days. Everything dead and dying in your life regains life today. It won't take more than three days for you to have to really open your eyes and say, man. God really has done great things for me. I'm glad. God will turn your mourning into dancing. He'll turn your weeping into joy. For weeping might endure for one night. But I declare and decree tomorrow, today, this morning was the last morning you woke up crying tears. Last night was the last night you went to bed crying tears of sorrow. From today on, joy comes in the morning. Joy will follow you at night. You'll have to look back and see, man, God has done great things for me. I'm glad. I'm now filled with joy unspeakable. I've got peace like a river and God who began the work, he's going to complete it. That blessing that comes on you today, that's not the end all tell all. No, that's just a beginning of what God's going to do for you from today onward as you join hands with with him, in Jesus name, in the name of Jesus, you need to give your life to Jesus. you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You need to do that today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, now's the day to be saved. There's no better time to be saved than today. You can't put it off till tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Jesus can come back at any time. He can come back right now. He can come back in an hour. He can come back in six hours. He can come back in a week's time. You're not to put off this decision for another day. The Bible says that when God delivered Israel, it was a one-day thing. All they had to do was cry out, and God said, I heard their cry, and I came in response to their cry. You can cry out to God to be safe today, and God will come. Alongside, you know, if you travel through life alone, it'll be hard. But when you, uh, uh, there's a lot of storms and a lot of waves and a lot of winds. But if you'll get the one who has power to calm the raging seas, then, and if you invite him into your boat, don't live, don't travel through the sea of life, in your own boat, with yourself alone. Get Jesus Christ, the one who can command command the waves, who can still the sea, who can shut storms up. Get him into your boat, and you'll see. You'll join a company, people like me, like my wife, like my family, like those that that I go to church with every single week, those that are even some of them watching online, who who have tasted and seen of the goodness of God. I invite you to come to the river and start tasting for yourself. But you you need to be saved. How do you get saved? A, B, C. Admit you're a sinner. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And C, confess Him as Lord and Savior of your life. I want you to do that with me today. I want you to pray this prayer. Very simple prayer from the depths of your heart. Say this, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for not leaving me as an orphan, but for adopting me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and for going even further. For taking sin out of my life today. Though I was a sinner, I thank you that now, as I accept Jesus into my heart. As I believe that God rose Him from the dead. And as I believe that He's now and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I thank you that I'm now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you Lord that I now put off my old self. And I put on Christ. I thank you that I'm now a new creature and a new creation created after your likeness. I thank you that I'm your child and that you're my father. I'll live for you and I'll live with you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit now. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit that I never go back another uh, ever in Jesus name. Amen. You prayed that prayer and you'd like to uh, I, la- I want to in- invite you to go on our website salvationow.ca at the bottom, it says I just got saved I want you to click that link and I want you to fill out tell me your testimony and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a gift to you I want to I send something to you that will be of great help, no money we don't want money, we don't want to ask you it's just, I want to get something to you I want to bless you. Number two you'd like to give today, you can do so by going to salvationow.ca slash give. you're watching this, you've been blessed by these broadcasts you know one of the ways that uh, one of the ways that we can tie you—you tie yourself into the work of God. It's not you don't just go to church, but you tie yourself financially into the work of God. Tithe, you know, tithing is is like the bare minimum. You tithe to your church, but there, there's tithes and offerings. Malachi chapter three, God said, "You've robbed me in this, in what? In tithes and offerings." And He said, "Test me now in this. Bring the whole tithe and the whole offering into my storehouse." That means you you could be faithful at tithing, but not give offerings. And, and, and it's not the whole package. You have to do both. And he said, see if I will not open up to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so you won't have room to contain it. And he said, then I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll rebuke the one that's trying to eat away at your harvest. So I'd encourage you today. Give an offering of faith. And I want to thank you in advance. As you tie yourself to the work of God, I, I have no doubt in my heart and in my mind that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. As you do it with cheerfulness of heart and sincerity of heart. Thank you for joining me today on this Canada Day. Uh, I want to wish you, if you're Canadian, uh happy Canada Day. And uh, we'll be back Wednesday morning at 11.30 a.m. Just want to see who's on. Beatrice, God bless you. Vicky, thanks for watching, guys. Appreciate it. We'll be back
1: on Wednesday at 11.30. Nicola, Lisa, love you guys. I'll
0: uh, enjoy this day. It's a beautiful day in Montreal. So if you're in Montreal, enjoy it. If you're not in Montreal, hopefully the weather's just as good here. From our studio here at Salvation Now, we love you. God bless you.
1: Stay connected with us by visiting
0: us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca.
1: God bless you, and until next time.